You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. This, my friends, is The Rob Carson Show, and this is uh, our number duh of The Rob Carson Show. Two fantastic guests today. Uh, we have Lydia Carinage. She is a Newsmax reporter, show host, and I really, really enjoy her take on everything. And uh, she's going to be joining us at the bottom of this hour. Next hour, James Rosen, the man, the legend, uh, Newsmax reporter. He is one of the uh, real reporters in Washington, D.C., right up there with uh, John Solomon, right up there with uh, Darren Beatty, <clears throat> right up there with Matt Taibbi and, uh, uh, and Michael Schellenberger. He's going to join us at the bottom of next hour. And he uh, actually asked Karine Jean-Pierre about the cocaina found at the White House. And I, and I just posted on social media. I like to say cocaine for some reason. I don't know why. It's just something. Don't don't uh, don't look too much into it. I just do it uh, in case you're wondering. And it just kind of sounds funny. Cocaine. Uh, I just posted on social media on my Twitter page, on my uh, on my Getter page, my Truth Social, and my Facebook under Rob Carson Show. If you'd like to follow me, uh, I said, uh, "Who's the first suspect in any murder?" The person, the person closest to the victim. Who could possibly have wrought cocaine in the West Wing of the White House, bypassing security and Secret Service? Somebody who's got a storied history of special treatment by the DOJ and cocaine addiction would be fairly obvious to me. But then again, I'm not stupid. So there's that. And the more that I hear the mainstream media ruminating and prognosticating about the source of the cocaine, the more I go, really? Uh, how about I just turn it over to Newsmax or somebody else? Because, honestly, this is kind of stupid. It's really, really stupid to uh, to think otherwise. I did um, I did hear something that I thought was kind of interesting from a... Uh, on, on Twitter this morning, I was looking, uh, you know, the World Economic Forum. They're the ones behind a lot of the, uh, the nonsense that's going on in the world, including they are very interested, obviously, in... Uh, in uh, getting rid of currency, in, in establishing a, a, a global currency. And this is, a, this is actually a, a deputy for the World Economic Forum talking about the future of currency. Well, listen to this real quick. And the one final note I will uh, make is that if you think about the benefits of digital money, there are huge potential gains. It's not just about uh, digital. And massive societal drawbacks. Forms of physical currency, you can have programmability. You know, programmability, meaning the government can program how much money is in your account and how much is it. Um, units of central bank currency with expiry dates. You could have, as I argue in my book, a potentially better, and yeah, some people might see it, or a darker world where the government decides that units of central bank money can be used to purchase some things. Okay, so the government will decide what you purchase. This is real. This is really real. This is one of the myriad reasons I got in touch with Swiss America and have decided to take one of our 401ks and convert it to gold because uh, jackweed there at the World Economic Forum can't electronically interfere with the precious metals I have in my possession, you see. Yeah. Uh, with an A-plus rating for the Better Business Bureau, let Swiss America educate you on protecting your assets today. You can learn with their new shocking report, most shocking than that guy from the WEC. Uh, it is, uh, it's called The Secret War on Cash. And uh, you owe it to yourself to write this down. If that just startled you, 
maybe it's time to look at oh, precious metals as part of your portfolio moving forward, not just for retirement, but just surviving, surviving. So uh, write down this number. And all you got to do is just uh, say or, uh, or mention my name uh, when you call 800-289-2646. All right, 800-289-2646. Just say my name, Rob Carson, okay? Mention my name, Rob Carson, when you text, by the way, as well, 800-289-2646. That's 800-289-2646. Visit SwissAmerica.com slash Carson, by the way, if you'd like more details on that. If you wouldn't mind, do this today. All right, just get on there, 800-289-2646 or SwissAmerica.com slash Carson. Message and data rates apply. All right. So um, the State Department has canceled Facebook meetings after uh, Trump Trump judge uh, blocked the Biden regime from censoring conservatives. We know that this came down uh, with regard to this uh, lawsuit brought by two attorneys general, uh, and it's it's uh, revealing that the federal government was involved actively in censoring speech. This is uh, the biggest affront to a um, a right in American history, I believe. It is something that should ultimately result in people doing jail time or worse. So the State Department canceled its future meetings with Facebook just one day after U.S. District Judge Terry Doughty, a Trump appointee who still honors the U.S. Constitution, accused the Biden regime of violating the First Amendment by censoring unfavorable views in a 155-page opinion, which I have right here. The Trump-appointed federal judge uh, issued on the 4th of July a preliminary injunction prohibiting DHS, FBI, DOJ, and other agencies from its government-wide fascist conspiracy with big tech to censor speech and manipulate the public. By the way, I'm reading this out of the Gateway Pundit. They are part of the case. The Gateway Pundit, the maligned Gateway Pundit, is part of it. And this is a big deal for them and for free speech. The judge called the regime's efforts Orwellian. This targeted suppression of conservative ideas is a perfect example of viewpoint of discrimination of political speech. American citizens have the right to engage in free debate about the significant issues affecting the country. The evidence produced thus far depicts an almost dystopian scenario. And if you don't believe me, here are all the things, the many things you couldn't even have an opinion about unless you agreed with the government. And you know this as well as I do. COVID-19 vaccines, any opposition. Opposition to COVID-19 masking lockdowns. Opposition to the Lab Lake theory. Opposition to the validity of the 2020 election. Opposition to President Biden's policy statements that the Hunter Biden laptop was true. Opposition to policies of all government officials in power. All were suppressed by our government. Our government did this to us. This shows to me that we have moved away so far from the uh, principles that founded this country into uh, Stalinistic censorship that something has to be done. Something has to be done, and people have to be put in jail for this, put in absolute jail for all of this. I got a terrific piece, uh, a latest uh, piece from Matt Taibbi called Take That Internet Censors. Um, and it is uh, remarkable, remarkable. Matt Taibbi, liberal, very liberal, left-leaning, ACLU-style journalist. That's what he called himself. And he said, uh, here's how federal judge uh, Terry Doughty 
yesterday described the digital censorship controversy. If the allegations made by plaintiffs are true, the present case arguably involves the most massive attack on free speech in U.S. history. Dottie went on out of his way on July the 4th to issue the stern rebuke at a conga line of government officials. Some of the people involved, Jen Easterly, Brian Scully, the Department of Homeland Security, which needs to be blown up. I mean, completely erased. Everybody fired. Everybody fired. End of DHS. Done, 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 done. Uh, Daniel Kimmage of the Global Engagement Center, which, by the way, censored uh, uh, blacklisted conservative sites from their advertisers, including Newsmax, uh, who were all ordered to get the hell out of the First Amendment's lawn. Paraphrasing, Dottie enjoined, enjoined them from meeting with social media companies for the purpose of pressuring or inducing any manner the removal or suppression of protected free speech flagging posts on social media platforms and are forwarding to social media companies urging the same collaborating with the election integrity partnership oh, i don't know what do they do oh, they steal elections <clears throat> the uh, the princeton uh, the, the stanford virality project the stanford internet observatory or any like project for, or group for the same purchase threatening or coercing social media companies to remove protected speech the New York Times instantly wrung its hands and stressed the rulings could curtail efforts to fight disinformation. Yeah, disinformation is what the government calls dissent. I came up with that three years ago. Okay. Here's what the New York Times said. Uh, Elon Musk has echoed Republican arguments releasing internal com company documents to chosen journalists suggesting that they claimed was collusion between government and government uh, between uh, company and government officials. Though that remains far from proven, some of the documents Mr. Musk disclosed ended up in lawsuits arguments. That's the New York Times. Because they're a bunch of tools. They're a bunch of sycophantic sheep. They're the ones who would load you into the train cars. And the media are the ones who would guard the camps. I wish I were kidding. The investigation led by Attorney General Louisiana, Attorney General Jeff Landry, and Missouri's Andrew Bell, uh, Bailey uh, include uh, censoring people like RFK Jr., emails in which a Facebook official pleads with the White House to understand that they are already reducing the virality of often true content that might promote vaccine hesitancy, among other things. Anthony Fauci was knee-deep into this. Facebook sending his office updates about how we are expanding the list of false claims we will remove. <laughs> Tony Fauci was knee-deep in this, man. He was knee-deep in this. Yesterday's ruling, which naturally will be uh, dismissed as Republican clickbait, shows at least one federal judge agreed with the argument that a complex system to mass funnel content recommendations from enforcement agencies and politicians to tech platforms represents what the Attorney General called a sprawling federal censorship enterprise. One of the plaintiffs, Dr. Aaron Carity, wrote the evidence in the suit revealed a far broader range of topics monitored by government than most people even know of, from gender ideology to abortion to monetary policy to the war in Ukraine. <clears throat> Take any contentious issue in American life, Carity said, and it seems like the federal government, once they got this machinery rolling, thought, okay, we can combat, quote, unquote, misinformation on all kinds of things. And what has Rob Carson been saying since day one? <clears throat> day one. 
Um, this was back to the uh, the uh, Taibbi piece. Um, those of us who work for the Twitter file story initially experienced the same problem. Investigators and plaintiffs in the Missouri versus Biden case apparently did, being unsure of what to make of the sheer quantity of agencies and companies involved in what looked like organized censorship schemes. I know I wasn't alone among Twitter files reporters in being nervous to report that content moderation requests were coming from, hold on, pages stuck together, not like Hunter Biden's uh, books, uh, agencies across the federal government from the State Department to the Pentagon to the CIA. But it seemed too nuts to be true. They even meddled with the Census Bureau. Yeah, yeah. There was a Stanford's Election Integrity Partnership and Virality Partnership, which created cross-platform content ticketing systems about the 2020 race and COVID-19. You can't talk about the 2020 race. I had my Facebook page erased the day after the election before I could even make a post. Anybody who had a question about the election in 2020, your argument was shut down the day after it happened. Oh, man. The dismissal of these complaints is partisan tinfoil hat conspiracy by politicians like the ones who interrogated Michael Schellenberger and me in Congress and by papers like the New York Times and Washington Post has all left uh, along felt like the same kind of error that led to the missed call of the 2016 election and the miss, a massive loss of audience for traditional media. This is a leftist. This is Matt Taibbi. These mainstream news observations are trapped in a bubble of their own making and can't or won't see the average American looks at letters from the White House to shut down social media accounts or piles of suggestions on content from the FBI. Uh, uh, let's see here. You, you can't have a situation where half or less of the population thinks something as basic as speech landscape is fairly arranged. That just won't hold, making rulings like this foreseeable, if not inevitable. No matter what, this can't be anything but good news for the First Amendment. I got some terrific audio from Rob Schmidt last night on Newsmax. It is uh, earth-shattering stuff. Your calls as well at 800-922-6680. This is The Rob Carson Show. I will take care of this. I will end this. I will make sure we have a plan. He got 81 million votes. Yeah, right. It's The Rob Carson Show. Don't worry. So, uh, Inside Edition, according to my friend Kevin, who wrote me on uh, Facebook, Inside Edition is showing uh, the Bidens with Hunter enjoying the fireworks from the White House balcony the night of the 4th. And and did you see him? Because he's sweaty. He's doing the, you know, push his hair back on one side, rub it out of the nose, nervous and all that stuff. And, you know, whatever. Honestly. Uh, Duh. (laughs) Duh. Oh, it's kind of funny. It's like the uh, final scene from Goodfellas when uh, when uh, uh, when the, he's trying to escape the. Uh, he thinks the helicopters are watching him. All this Ray Liotta's character, and he's like really hyper, high strung, clearly on cocaine. That's kind of what it reminded me of. I, I don't know of anybody who's ever been on cocaine personally. I'm sure I've probably seen people on cocaine. I just never knew they were on cocaine because you know I don't hang out with people who do a lot of cocaine. You know, and I also missed the cocaine thing in the 80s because I was like a kid, you know, and then I was in uh, middle school and high school and just never did the cocaine. I remember when I heard cocaine, my ear clapped and I was like, really? Cocaine? Okay, whatever, I guess. Everybody in the audience, you know, was like, cocaine, you know, like they're in concert, like, yeah, we do coke. I really do. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you just think it's cool because Eric Clapton's singing about it. 
By the way, I think he's called Slow Hand because of a drug-induced uh, stroke that he had. I'm not, I'm not kidding. They called him Slow Hand. Had to learn how to play the guitar again. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but you know, I did music radio forever. So uh, we're just getting the size and scope of the federal government's involvement in censoring our freedom of speech as conservatives. I told you we were living in Dem Crow, right? I told you we were living uh, a conservative apartheid, and this is the first time in our history the last, I don't know, well, since uh, Lois Lerner was charged with the IRS, that uh, we know this has happened. We know this has happened. Even a, there was an FBI whistleblower a couple weeks ago revealed to Congress that Deputy Director Paul Abadie threatened to fire agents and other bureau employees who said there were disparities to the responses of the U.S. Capitol riot in 2021 and the George Floyd riots in 2020. They did the same damn thing in, in the media. And, and on social media, you couldn't question. You couldn't say, hey, man, I, I think this was an inside job, January the 6th. Reichstag got me banned day one on, uh, on Facebook. Just ridiculous. Rob Schmidt last night was talking about this. And, of course, uh, Mr. Schmidt was freaking obvious, or uh, not obvious, but awesome. Here he is uh, opening talking about this, uh, this massive scandal that should result in a complete wholesale reinvention of the deep state. Suddenly, a small faction of computer nerds in Silicon Valley had vast control over the discourse in this country. And the U.S. government intel agencies quickly discovered they could pressure big tech to do its bidding. Huh. Nobody was more aware of this than SpaceX and Tesla founder Elon Musk, a billionaire who immigrated here from South Africa. I said from day one that he saved free speech. Elon Musk, do not discount what he did by buying Twitter. And don't discount the fact that he saw it was incredibly important to expose this once he got into it. Whose worldly experience taught him Government is never your friend. Musk spent $44 billion, way too much money, to buy Twitter and save free speech. He did. He hired a handful of journalists to expose just how quickly a free society can fall when government is allowed to succumb to its most natural instinct. Here are two of the journalists, uh, Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger, in front of Congress. The original promise of the Internet was that it might democratize the exchange of information globally. Uh, a free Internet would overwhelm all attempts to control information flow. Its very existence a threat to anti-democratic forms of government. The IRS visited his home after his testimony. They had never visited him before. Everywhere. What we found in the files was a sweeping effort to reverse that promise and use machine learning and other tools to turn the Internet into an instrument of censorship and social control. They did it. Unfortunately, our own government appears to be playing a lead role. It's not a slippery slope. It's an immediate leap into a, a terrifying mechanism that I, we only see in totalitarian societies yeah. of attempting to gain control over what the social media platforms are, allow, are allowing. This cannot be left to lie. People need to be punished for this. People need to be exposed for this. Networks need to have wholesale firings because of this. Newspapers need to do the same thing. They won't. So what you do is stop buying the newspapers and don't watch the channels anymore. You're done. They lied. You're cooked. Coming up, Linda, Lydia Curinage from Newsmax to talk about all of this and more. Don't go anywhere. 
his first grade teacher said he talked out of turn. Worse after he's missed a day. Well, things haven't changed. It's the Rob Carson Show. Show. This is good, fellas. Sounds a lot like Hunter Biden. I was going to be busy all day. I had to drop off some guns at Jimmy's to match some silencers he had gotten. I had to pick up my brother at the hospital and drive him back to the house for dinner that night. And then I had to pick up some new Pittsburgh stuff for Lois to fly down to some customers I had near Atlanta. This is Hunter Biden on July 4th on the uh, balcony watching the fireworks. Just saying. <laughs> he was looking up, wondering if there was a helicopter up there. He did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> He just kind of reminded me. I saw the, you know, Entertainment Tonight or whatever the hell they were. They've been showing uh, Hunter Biden nervously sniffing and rubbing his hair and just, you know, acting like a you know, hamster in a hamster wheel on uh, on the 4th of July. This on the heels of cocaine being found in the White House for the very first time. And the mainstream media going, cocaine, what? What cocaine? I don't know. What? Hunter Biden, cocaine, that's absurd. So anyway, I just wanted to share that. And then also I want to mention that was wrong. Slow Hand is Clapton's fifth solo album released in 77. The album was named after Eric Clapton's nickname, which he got from Giorgio Gomaleski, the manager of the Yardbirds. Uh, quote, on my guitar, I use light gauge strings with a very uh, thin first string, which made it easier to do bend the notes and is not uncommon during the most frenetic bits of playing for me to break at least one string during the pause while I was changing the string. The frenzied audience would often break into a slow hand clap inspiring Giorgio to dream up the name Slow Hand Clapton is what it was. So I was wrong. I was wrong. So was my boss, Lee. He thought it was something else. But uh, he did not. Uh, Eric Clapton didn't go slow hand because he had uh, uh, done a bunch of cocaine, I guess is what it was. We have a special guest, somebody who I absolutely love every time she is on Newsmax. Her name is Lydia Courinage, and she is on the Newsmax hotline. Hello, Lydia. How are you today? Rob, it's such an honor to be with you. I love your show. I love your audience. So I'm thrilled. I'm finally able to be on your show. Lydia, I got to tell you, and, and I just, I, I do enjoy what you're doing. I, I think you may, I live tweet your show when you do it on Saturday. Because <laughs> I just, I, you have a lot of great, you got a lot of great information. I love your take on stuff. That's why I'm curious about your initial thought with regard to cocaine being found in the White House for the very first time in American history by the Secret Service. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of two things, right? It's yes, either yes. the security is completely lax and somebody can walk in and bring in a biochemical weapon, right? And the whole security team needs to be totally revamped. Or the Biden administration is lying to us because they know it's a family member, a.k.a. Hunter Biden, that was there on Friday. And then you were talking about it before, the new videos that are coming out ever since July 4th. He's on the balcony, he's pacing back and forth. He's, like, touching his nose. It's just really bad. I mean, why is it so far-fetched to think that an addict would fall off the wagon? This is the same person who left his laptop behind. Right. So and, and Lydia, Lydia, they gaslight us, Lydia, they gaslight us on everything. That's what this this lawsuit by the AGs, uh, the Missouri AG and the Louisiana AG. That's what this is all about. The the media gaslights us when we uh, reach the obvious collusion, conclusion, which is the truth, by the way. And the government calls it misinformation or disinformation. It's the same thing here. People are like, how could you? 
possibly believe that Hunter Biden could bring cocaine into the White House when he's the most obvious way that it got into the White House? Because I've heard from people like Dan Bongino. Uh, Dan Bongino, you know, is a Secret Service agent. He said, there's no way you'd get through security with cocaine on your person there's no way. He said the only person who could do that would be somebody who doesn't get searched by the Secret Service, which leads to Hunter Biden. Yeah, and then you're listening to Gail King and the other mainstream media, the establishment media, saying, well, this is a very well-traveled area. But you're hearing from Dan Bongino. You're hearing from Sebastian Gorka, people that actually were in that area. And it's a lie. It's not a high-traveled area. What really upset me, though, is the fact that you see CNN and CBS News and other left-wing media hosts, they, they thought it was funny when it was finally confirmed, which we knew from the get-go that it was cocaine, because there was a cop on the premises who said, hmm, this looks like cocaine, and then they did the test strip, and then they got it confirmed in a lab. But they all thought it was funny, and they said, oh, it could be like a party. This is not funny. This is really serious. Somebody's doing a, an illicit drug in the West Wing of the White House, or somebody snuck in some sort of this powder that could have been anthrax. And what's crazy was back in the day, anthrax, I was at CBS Evening News when anthrax was mailed to our station. And my friend, who was Dan Rather's personal assistant, opened the mail and a little bit of the powder came out and it gave her a, a gaping hole in her face. She needed plastic what? surgery to, to close up her face from the anthrax. And what? They, when they, yeah, and when they showed the cleaning of the, of the guys in the hazmat suits, the letter, I handled that letter. I handled it. It was right by my desk. I just didn't open it, and I gave it to my friend Claire, who ended up opening it, and it was anthrax, and she got it on her face. So I'm going to tell you. It's a serious thing. It's a serious thing to have some sort of mysterious powder being, you know, being found at the White House, and they're laughing about it. It could have been it's, a biochemical weapon, but they know it's cocaine. And they I got to tell you, and they just gave it to them. Uh, Lydia, that is the most, uh, that is an epic take on it, knowing that you saw what can happen when a mysterious powder is uh, is sneaked in someplace. That is a remarkable, remarkable story. But more as important, I should say, is the fact that Hunter Biden is about to sign off on a plea deal offer, and part of that is that he will not be charged criminally for lying on a form to get a gun on a federal firearms purchase when he was using cocaine. Do you not suppose that a condition of that diversion therapy is a drug test? And would you also not suppose that the judge should immediately require uh, not only an investigation into where uh, the cocaine came from, but also a a drug test for Hunter Biden to clear him so they could proceed with the plea deal. Bing, uh, Rob, you're brilliant. Seriously, you're so you're so brilliant. They need to do a hair analysis on Hunter Biden, see when the last time he did drugs, do a blood test on him, because that would immediately have to revoke the plea deal, the sweetheart deal of the century. And we talk about this two-tier justice system it's not just for the conservatives versus the Democrats. It's for the Bidens and for everybody else. Look at Kodak Black, that rapper. Look at the situation. Do you remember him from Jersey Shore? He oh, was yes. also on drugs when he committed the tax crime. He ended up spending three years in prison. And then never mind all of the African-American men who have been caught with illegal weapons throughout the country. They spent years behind bars because of the same crime that Hunter did. 
Yes, and and, and by the way, he should get his deal revoked because of this. If he tests positive, you're a hundred percent right. Well, thank you. Hold on, I'm finishing clicking my note here to my producer Ken. Make sure to book Lydia every week. She called me brilliant. Yeah, no, but yeah, you think, uh, but the, you know the thing is, um, with regard to uh, this uh, this cocaine at the White House, I mean the the obvious answer is Hockham's razor. It's the most obvious answer, the the fastest way to get to it. And, and you look at all the ways that the media has has gaslit us on everything else that we knew. I mean, the most obvious response is the COVID virus came from the lab in Wuhan, China, where the virus, the city where it came from, in the lab that was making viruses like that that we were paying for with uh, the NAIA and Anthony Fauci, okay? But they went ahead and gaslit us for years, and, and immediately they lied so many times that people began to accept it as the truth, which is exactly what Joseph Stalin's uh, uh, minister of propaganda did. You repeat the lie enough. But I really think this stuff is wearing thin. And I think when you say, when you're on CNN, and, and, and cocaine is found in the White House for the first time in history, and Hunter Biden is in the White White House on Friday, if you don't recognize that the line, the most obvious answer would be Hunter Biden, let's eliminate him as a suspect. Like they do when, uh, you know, somebody gets murdered, they immediately go to the person nearest the person, the spouse. And they want to eliminate that person as the suspect while also recognizing that person is most likely the person who did it. Right. The suspect was right under their nose. (laughs) Right under his nose. Yes. (laughs) Oh, now, Lydia, uh, this 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 case and, and Rob Schmidt blew it up last night on uh, on Newsmax, this case involving 70 government agencies uh, censoring conservative speech. And I said this. I said they were censoring everything. They were censoring everything. They censored people saying CRT is being caught in taught in schools. Everybody knew it was being taught in schools when the lie became so obvious the, then finally the people who are in charge of education teachers unions and whatnot just admitted oh yeah it's being taught in schools and if you don't like it you're a racist it's the same modus operandi in all of this everything from covid protocols to whatnot you being a person who makes her living uh using the first amendment the 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 freedom granted by the first amendment what does this mean to you and also lydia did you experience in the last five years censorship of a view that was counter the the government i remember i tweeted something that children were being chemically castrated and that they were being mutilated, and then people were tweeting, and there was a saying that wasn't true, and I got flagged, and it was misinformation. And we found out the Boston Children's Hospital that they are doing that to children. We heard that recent case of the of the 13-year-old girl who had her breast cut off, and now she's suing. So, yeah, I've experienced it not too much because I purposely am, am careful with what I tweet uh, because I don't want to get canceled, but they will cancel you. And thankfully, now we have Elon Musk there. But you know, back when COVID was was happening, the fact that they wanted us to believe that it came from a magical bat a thousand miles away, and then it flew magically into a, a wet market, and then somebody <laughs> plucked that, that bat and then made a magical bat soup. It's like a Marvel comic storyline that wouldn't get approved by, like, a, an executive because he would say it was too far-fetched. There needs to be some sur- sort of kernel of truth here. But they want us to believe the nonsensical. And just like with the, with the Joe Biden, that he's not too old. Like the fact, I was looking on Twitter just before, this guy was tweeting out. He's like, I don't know why Biden's age is an issue. He's as quick-witted as, 
as and brilliant as men half his age. When sure. we see what's happening right before our eyes, the man is decrepit. He's losing it. He's lost it. He's got early onset dementia. Stop yes. abusing him. This is elder abuse. As, as I like to say, the emperor is naked. He's standing on a parade float with a marching band in front. There's a stripper pole with spotlights on him. There's a Cadillac out in front of the marching band with big horns on the hood. And it says on the side that Joe Biden is, is uh, demented. You know, honestly, it's so stupid. But you know what, Lydia? You did what they wanted them to do. You were so worried about being kicked off Twitter that you didn't share your truth. And a lot of people did that. You, a lot of, and I don't blame you for this because a lot of people did this. You, 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 if you, you, you build a following, you have a following, you're reaching people, and then you go to tell a truth and the government shuts you down and you go, whoa, 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 I don't want to get kicked off. I don't want to lose my million followers. Uh, in, in, uh, in Donald Trump's case, 83 million followers on Twitter. But there was, and I still, I still get this. I've heard this from people in the industry. I can't do this because, uh, you know, if we put it on YouTube, we know it'll get flagged, and that'll immediately cast a pall on whatever network you're working for. But the, it worked, didn't it, Lydia? It worked curtailing speech by, by literally, by literally uh, uh, codifying uh, the abuse of the First Amendment. Uh, uh, absolutely. And thank God uh, we, I work at Newsmax. We work at Newsmax. Uh, somebody recently said to me, oh, my God, you called Admiral Admiral Rachel Levine, the assistant health secretary. You called him a he. You said Caitlyn Jenner is a he. You're calling Dylan Mulvaney the trans influencer yes. he. Aren't you afraid? I said, afraid of what? It's the truth. And, yeah, and you know, at the end of the day, we, ca- we cannot be afraid to speak the truth. And that's undeniable. These are men. And yeah. we ha- and language matters. Like, we shouldn't use their language. Oh, gender-affirming care. No, that's child mutilation. Affirmative action. No, that's race-based admission. So he's a he. That's a, call me a she. No, you're a he. So I think it's important to use the right terminology. Exactly. It is. It's compelling speech. The uh, the pronoun usage is compelling speech. You can't do that in the uh, free society with the First Amendment. It's kind of weird. You know, it's kind of funny because uh, back to Newsmax, I, I don't get censored by Newsmax. They let me do what I want. Uh, they're yep. very good about it. Occasionally, I'll get a little nudge. It's like, uh, you know, that may, maybe it's maybe it's uh, I'll make a joke about John Fetterman. They'll say, OK, maybe not. You know, and I get that. I get that because, you know, between the co- comedy and commentary, it's not like being a newscaster. All right. But Rob Schmidt last night had one of the most epic lines. I don't know if you saw it. He was talking about Hunter Biden, and he said, quote, it wouldn't be a banging weekend unless Hunter snorted some lines off a bust of, of uh, Teddy Roosevelt. You must admit that a no, no news anchor with severe restrictions on his speech would make that sort of a comment in a, in a news headline. <laughs> <laughs> when I heard that, and it's funny because I saw him after he said it, and yes. I laughed, and I said, you're hysterical, and he, you know he said that off the cuff. He's oh, a very was... kind of snarky, funny guy, oh. and thank God. We oh. Because it's the truth. He's a drug addict. I'm sorry. Yes. He's always an addict. Anybody who's ever had an addict in their family knows, and the chance of relapse is astronomically high. So the fact that they're in denial about this, when clearly we know where the cocaine came from, yeah, it's outrageous. ridiculous. It's ridiculous on the face of it. And I, I texted Rob and I, I said he got in. I was reading the UK Daily Mail and he was uh, he was quoted. I thought it was beautiful. I think it should be etched in granite. Those words should be etched in granite on a, on a monument on to journalism. On his head. <laughs> many, many years from now. <laughs> All right. Lydia Curranage, when are we going to see you next time on Newsmax? Tell everybody where people can find you on social media and whatnot. Lydia News, because who can say my last name? It's yes. L-I-V-I-A-N-E-W-S, that you can find me on Twitter and then add a one for Instagram. And then on Facebook, it's C-U-R-A-N-A-J, Lydia Serrani. And then 
Newsmax, you can follow me. Um, you can watch my shows Saturday nights from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. The count on Sundays at New- Eastern, noon Eastern, until 2 p.m. Eastern. And so on Friday, I'll be there. At two, I'll do uh, some commentary for uh, American Agenda starting. At I, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, imagine a better lead-in for my, uh, my show on Saturday night and Sunday. God right. bless you, girl. Great to have Thanks. you on. We'll do it again soon, okay? Absolutely. Thanks, Rob. All right, let's take a break. It's a Rob Carson Show. Sleepy Joe. Joe Biden's been asleep for years. This has to be a wake-up call and shine a bright spotlight on anything like this behavior anywhere. It's the Rob Carson Show. Lydia Coronage does a great job on Newsmax. She has a show on uh, Saturday 5 to 7. And uh, it is very good television. Uh, a lot of times on the weekends, you know, they have these really crappy shows like uh, Rob Carson's What in the World. And it's just nice that they... <laughs> Fine, great programming. She does a really good job. She does a uh, great job. And uh, from now on, uh, we only have guests on who say I'm awesome. That's what I really like there. But, uh, anyway. <laughs> now, I was talking about uh, Rob Schmidt last night, talking about this um, 70 government agencies working with the DHS to censor free speech. Republicans say the Department of Homeland Security likely strong and armed big press, a uh, big tech to suppress America's free speech during the 2020 election. We know this is happening. We know that uh, the the federal government has been stricken from being in touch with the social media networks because of the abuses that they did. Here is uh, Rob Schmidt last night talking about the myriad ways we were censored the last five years, and now we know that our government did it. Our government did something that in other countries would result in you being lined up against a wall. I would not suggest that here, but I'm just telling you to take away the ability to express oneself, particularly in a country that has the First Amendment, is a capital crime. The pandemic censorship of real science was a... But I'd be happy with life in prison. Prime example. It took about two minutes to go from censoring dangerous misinformation to censoring the truth because it made it easier to control the drones. Yeah. Herd immunity, the lab leak, oh, ivermectin, yeah. hydroxychloroquine. Mm, sure. Real science, real truth true. was abolished. Mm-hmm. And in the 2020 election, we saw it yet again, when what? Intel officials signed a fake letter alleging corruption allegations against the Democrat candidate were Russian disinformation. Oh, yeah. And began pressuring big tech as well as other media organizations to suppress what is now very clearly the biggest political corruption scandal we have ever seen. I know it's kind of weird, but, you know, nothing happened in 2020 because, you, know, uh, you know, everything was cool. And it's disinformation to say that 2020 wasn't like uh, completely on the up and up. The government went from flagging misinformation to bullying tech companies to suppress the truth oh, yeah. because they needed to install their preferred presidential Misinformation! Candidate. The intel agencies elected a president huh. in 2020. Huh. And now these same people sit on MSNBC and lecture us about democracy. That is just kind of weird, isn't it? But you can't say that because, you know, it's all a disinformation, misinformation. What else could they lie about? I mean, what else do you suppose they could lie about? Just about everything, pretty much. Uh, more on this. Let's go ahead and take a break. This, my friends, is The Rob Carson Show. You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. This is the final hour of The Rob Carson Show. James Rosen, Newsmax correspondent, uh, excellent journalist, by the way. I was a fan of James Rosen's for years, and he landed with Newsmax. It's 
just awesome. I love it. So we're going to talk to him about the bottom hour about uh, Tucker. Uh, Tucker. Hunter Biden's cocaine problems. I haven't seen a new Tucker this week, by the way. I haven't seen a new Tucker Carlson on Twitter. Uh, and one of the things, I mean, I like what he does. I really enjoy what he's doing on Twitter. Uh, but it's too few and far between, I'll just tell you. And I, and I said this right at the beginning, the first episode, because if, if Tucker does not get his production value back, if he does not get Tucker Carlson, ba- uh, Tucker Carlson tonight back on whatever venue, he's going to become another talking head. I'm just telling you, I love Tucker. I, when he does a video on Twitter, I go and I watch the video. I use it. But it ain't going to be enough. He's going to have to do more. Tucker, call Newsmax. Just saying. I mean, I'm just throwing something out there. You could call Newsmax if you want to, because, dang, I'd love to work with Tucker Carlson. It'd be uh, friggin' amazing. I mean, he would be so fast to block my calls, it wouldn't be funny. Oh, uh, by the way, if you uh, think that uh, the Trump indictment, the latest indictment, by the way, the many, uh, the many uh, uh, unlawful acts of being committed against Donald Trump, then you can, uh, you can, you can sound off it's uh, legit or not. Just text the word Trump. To 39747. That's Trump to 39747. You can vote right away. Make sure your voice is heard. Newsmax, of course, now America's fastest growing cable news channel. It rocks. And you know the really cool thing? Our, uh, our anchors don't change their stripes. So there is that. Hey, you know what it's time for? Time for a gender confusion update. Yeah. Gender confusion. What is my gender today? Hey, hey. Gender confusion. That's one of the many things I you couldn't say. I elementary school students about gender identity. You realize for a couple of years you could not say on social media that you didn't believe that someone could become the opposite gender, the, other, the opposite sex. You couldn't say it. It was one of the things that the government worked with all the social media platforms to shut down, probably from the CDC, maybe from the HHS. And now you can actually kind of say it. I have a friend who was fired because she said that gender dysphoria is a mental illness. She was fired. She's selling real estate now. Unbelievable. Sickening. Uh, Kim Brady Carricker. Wow, that's like, is Pat a boy or a girl? Kim Brady Carricker was arrested late Monday evening for fatally shooting five people, injuring two children in the Kinzing uh, neighborhood of Philadelphia. Character described as a 40-year-old male. Oh, that is so transphobic. Was wearing a bulletproof vest and carrying AR-style uh, rifle. Now, you may also recall that in Nashville at the Covenant School, another transgendered individual, Audrey Hale, was uh, killed on the scene by police after she went on a, he went on a, whatever the hell, went on a shooting spree. That's, that's kind of piling them up there. And then the Pulse nightclub shooter was also, uh, had some issues going on. You know, it's, it's like maybe, I don't know, taking the, the hormone that you're not supposed to have in your system because of the gender you're born. Maybe it bleeps with your head and then all the sundry medications you have to take. It's almost like maybe, you know, feeding a mental illness with more meds and hormones might make you go insane. I'm just saying it could. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to... Of course it should be considered. Character 40 of uh, Philadelphia is arrested, accused of killing five people, two kids. In a shooting spree. Uh, police followed the suspect as uh, this person continued to fire the gun, cornered several blocks away in an alleyway, taken into custody. Taken into custody. And, and the really thing to show this person is insane. I mean, is insane. The cross-dressing Philadelphia mass shooter told cops his ghost gun rampage was an attempt to fight the city's gun violence because 
uh, all these guys are out there killing people, is what uh, this person said. So, in the hours after his arrest, character told police the killing spree was a way of helping police address the gun violence problem because all the guys out there are killing people. Kind of like, you know, I don't know, burning down America's cities in response to a, a man being killed by police in Minneapolis. Makes about that kind of sense. Character also, Carriker also told the uh, responding officers they did a good job, but later told detectives that Yahweh, which is a Hebrew name for God, would be sending more help, sending more people to help. So... Yeah. Insane person. Clearly. Oh, this is kind of interesting. You'd be insane to live in California now. No, I'm just I'm not saying it. You my fabulous KSCO listeners out there are not saying I'm just saying, dang, look what they're doing to Eden. Look what they've done to Eden. I know it's terrible. And and I gotta tell you, you guys who listen to KSEO and make KSEO a major player in a sea of madness. Is, is spectacular. So thank you for that. But California's exodus has picked up steam as data shows 111,000 residents, more than 300 people a day, ditched the West Coast for Texas, where homes cost $282,000 less. Now, Gavin Newsom is saying that he's doing a bang-up job. He's doing an awesome job. You may also recall that Gavin Newsom, when he was the uh, the mayor of San Francisco, said he was going to, in 10 years, eliminate homelessness. And uh, that was 2018. He should have done that. And guess what? It's worse than ever. So 300 Californians moved to Texas every day. Yeah. Double the 63,000 made the same move in 2012, according to a new uh, report from Storage Cafe, which is lovely, by the way, but there's no windows. So, you know, you sit there, you have the candles, the food's great, but honestly, Storage Cafe, I wouldn't go there. And then the door opens up like a garage door, and there's a hearse in there with a, a pickled human head. It's weird. It's just weird. So anyway, of those that moved in 2021, nearly half were millennials, born between 81 and 96, headed to counties around major uh, cities like Austin, Houston, Dallas, hopefully leaving their, ta- their uh, politics there. Fueling the shift was the COVID pandemic, which increased the number of people that could work from home, releasing them from traditional commitments that would, turn them to, uh, would uh, tie them down to a specific location. So they got their freedom papers. They got their freedom papers. Forty-six percent of those who moved from Texas to California uh, to Texas from California were millennials. Twenty-one percent were Gen Xers. That's me, baby. Woo! Uh, baby boomers and Gen Xers represented a, a comparatively smaller contingent of those moving. Fifteen percent each, because you you got roots and you paid for the house. You know all that other crap. You got family and all that. One of the major benefits of moving to Tejas from California um, houses, on average, cost two hundred eighty-two thousand dollars less. You ever watch that? Uh, my wife and I, we watch HGTV. I know, I know, whatever. And I even kind of enjoy it sometimes. But, uh, you know, you'll see that there's this, this show called Christina in California. And she used to be able to part with this other guy, this husband and wife team. They broke up. Now she's on her own deal. And, and the houses, they go by these houses and they're crap holes for a million dollars. And they got to put $600,000 in it to sell it for, you know, two million. And they're, and they're crap holes. It's funny. According to uh, the B in Sacramento, median household incomes in 2021 was $71,000. It requires a household salary of $145,000 to afford the medium-priced house in that region. 
So, yeah, they're priced out of uh, the possibility of being able to buy a home out there just because, you know, it's insane. And uh, I, I, me personally, why isn't California a retirement destination now? Why is it Florida? It'll do because it's beautiful and no state income tax and no nonsense. It's 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 painfully obvious. Painfully obvious. Yeah. Um. All right. Do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? I really do want to do this. So uh, an investigative journalist has destroyed the uh, Mark Zuckerberg on his launch of a new Facebook platform. It's called Threads. Did you hear about this? Threads. It's called Threads like they used to call set clothes in the 70s. You know, <clears throat> I'm going to show my Gen Xy here now. You know, like when uh, Starsky and Hupps roll up on uh, Huggy Bear and, you know, they're talking and, and they get out of the car, you know, and Starsky gets out with his cool shoes that every kid in the world had in 1976, those blue ones with the yellow stripes. And the Starsky shoes is what they call them. And he gets out and Huggy Bear goes, nice threads, man. Give me some skin. Beep, beep, you know. And that, that's, that's Huggy Bear. And then they would pursue, you know, they would bribe him because uh, that's what they did with Huggy Bear. They'd say, uh, so, Huggy, you know anything about this deal going down in the hood? And Huggy'd go, well, I don't know, but maybe some money might spur my uh, memory. And Starsky goes, well, how about this? Maybe this would spur your memory. And, and Huggy takes the 20 and goes, I don't know. I'm beginning to remember something, but it's not quite there. And Hutch goes, here's another $20. And then Huggy immediately spills the beans. So anyway, back to threads. <laughs> Kane Koa is on uh, on Twitter. I've seen Kane Koa the Great and uh, a citizen journalist, and he celebrated the launch uh, of Threads with a takedown of Mark Zuckerberg and his uh, history of deceit and throttling of life-saving information. And he listed a bunch of things, including Mike, uh, Mark Zuckerberg held a Facebook uh, uh, confab back in the early days of COVID and said, we don't know the long-term side effects of uh, modifying people's DNA. Then he censored scientists, doctors, and uh, mRNA vaccine-injured individuals. Uh, in 2020, uh, Mark Zuckerberg emailed Tony Fauci and said, I, just wa- I also wanted to share a few ideas of ways we could help you get your message out. So he was ready to do, and he did the same thing every single time. Zuckerberg banned numerous vaccine injury report groups. Didn't know if you knew that. Classified uh, vaccine injuries as malinformation. Mark Zuckerberg banned George Hugh, who's a vaccine injury support group. He came up with it. He's a software engineer. And he said he developed uh, tinnitus from the vaccine. Apparently, a lot of people did. And Mark Zuckerberg uh, got rid of that guy. And uh, and uh, let me see if I got that information here. Uh, David Marcus, hold on. Fraud story. Now, here, here's another thing that, uh, that Zuckerberg did. He uh, donated uh, $400 million of his own money toward the election in 2020, effectively helping the FBI and the DOJ and the intelligence community to throw the election in uh, in Joe Biden's favor. Uh, the FBI by covering up Hunter Biden's laptop, the social media companies by dutifully covering up the story with them. But there was more. Using the coronavirus pandemic as an excuse, hundreds of millions of private dollars from one billionaire flooded into governmental election offices, yeah. disproportionately benefiting Democrats. Weird. 
In 2020, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg and his wife contributed $350 million to the Center for Tech and Civic Life, or CTCL. He's like if George Soros were 38 years old and on the spectrum. Money that was then given to local boards of election nationwide. CTCL claimed its grants were nonpartisan and simply aimed at underwriting safe elections during a pandemic. Nah. But was that really CTCL's agenda? In March 2020, former Obama campaign manager David Plouffe was employed by Zuckerberg and his wife, Priscilla Chan. That's weird. That month, he published a book in which he wrote that the 2020 election would be a, quote, block-by-block street fight. So Democrats needed to turn out their urban base, particularly in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Yeah, and by the way, in Texas, Ohio, Nevada, uh, Minnesota, Georgia, Florida, Arizona, 90% of Mark Zuckerberg's money went to Democrat counties, including uh, places like Minnesota, where $7 million went to Democrats, 60000 went to GOP counties. Georgia, $42 million went to Georgia Democrat counties, $3 million went to, went to the GOP, $14 million in Florida Democrats, $1 million Republicans, and Pennsylvania... Pennsylvania, yeah, uh, elections are free and fair there. Sure, sure, sure. And Mar- and my and uh, John Fetterman really won. Yes, he did. Uh, Pennsylvania, twenty million dollars, almost twenty-one million dollars versus one six for Republicans overall. Ninety percent of Mark Zuckerberg's money went to Democrat counties to throw the election. One hundred thirty million dollars to thirteen million for GOP counties. And the only reason they put money in GOP counties is because. Eh, Democrats live there. All right, let's take a break and come back. We've got much more. This, my friends, is the Rob Carson Show. Bulldoze the swamp, pave it over, and start again. It's the Rob Carson Show. On uh, July 4th, U.S. District Judge Terry Doughty blocked various federal government entities and figures from pressuring social media companies to censor protected speech, free speech. We have the First Amendment. This includes uh, 70 agencies that uh, just whizzed on the First Amendment and uh, and uh, for, for everything from COVID vaccines to masks and lockdowns to uh, questions about the 2020 election uh, to Hunter Biden's laptop. We relied to on everything, on everything. And I said dissent is not disinformation. Remember that? There's a reason why I said it. Dissent is not disinformation. Dissent is dissent. Dissent is telling the people in power, no, I'm not going to let you lie. Dissent is not disinformation. I even had a T-shirt made up. It's on my T-shirt and swag line, which we're going to be uh, relaunching here very soon. We also had a T-shirt that had the State Farm logo. It said Deep State Farm. Did that a couple years ago. FBI, DOJ, DHS, all in the circles, you know. Because it just takes a little common sense to see it. And then when you are abused, and I was abused on every social media platform and as an on-air personality, uh, not not with Newsmax, but elsewhere, told, well, you really can't do this. You'll lose your whatever. You won't go on YouTube. You won't be this. I've been been kicked off at Facebook, YouTube, uh, uh, all of those. Uh, YouTube, I got kicked off for posting a, a Robert Kennedy Jr. video about uh, about uh, vaccines. That's true, by the way. It's just kind of funny. But here is a Corinne Jean-Pierre talking about the judge's ruling, uh, allowing the, uh, well, stopping the censorship of American thoughts by the federal government. And specifically, do you disagree with the judge's ruling that, that this coordination was a form of censorship that specifically targeted conservative speech? Look, we dis- disagree with the decision. I'll leave it there. And I'm going to let DOJ do their, move forward with their evaluating. Yeah, which means that uh, she's not saying we didn't do it. 
they had a pretty sweet deal there for a while. All they had to do was say, uh, you know, what you believe is disinformation. All you had to do was say people who didn't agree with the 2020 election were deniers. All you had to do is say to people who thought that maybe the vaccine won't prevent the spread of the virus that they are uh, conspiracy theorists. All of those things. And then and then idiots like uh, Joe Scarborough could sit back and fold their arms and go and say, well, you know, that's disinformation. And they'd laugh at you like you're the person who's who's denying the truth and they're the ones who do it. And they have this this hubris about them that they can know that that their truth is a lie and then make you feel bad about yours and feel bad about, you know, expressing the truth. Oh, I'm in a denier. That's why I embrace being called a denier. I embrace being called a mega fascist enemy of democracy. I had a t-shirt made. It says proud enemy of the state. And I am a proud enemy of this iteration of the state. Absolutely 1000%. This is uh, CNN. CNN, of course, they're defending, uh, you know, going after free speech, including by that. And if you knew this, but Facebook has admitted this, according to Miranda Devine, that uh, they've been spying on private messages of uh, and data of American users reported into the FBI. Yeah. If they express any anti-government or anti-authority sentiments or question the 2020 elections, that's what happens. Yeah. The targeted Facebook users were investigated by agents in the uh, local FBI field office, sometimes using covert surveillance techniques. Nothing criminal or violent turned up. It was a waste of our time, said one source familiar to the subpoena. Requests lodged uh, during a 19-month frenzy by FBI headquarters in D.C. to produce the caseload to match the Biden administration's rhetoric on domestic extremism after the January the 6th Reichstag moment. Yeah, it's kind of funny that way, isn't it? Kind of funny that way. But here is CNN uh, saying the government needs to intervene because disinformation. Uh, can I just say one example, having covered the elements of this, we did not expect this to come. I think a lot of administration officials were surprised by the scale of the injunction. But an example that I think was cited in the lawsuit, which I think gets it, but uh, kind of the how this has landed up to this point is the Biden administration would regularly reach out to Twitter and Facebook mm-hmm. and other companies and in, threaten them in kind of the the early that's true stages of their covid response and say this person is spreading lies about vaccines. This account is uh, spreading misinformation. No, they say misinformation. Information that is inhibiting not just our efforts, uh, the, the administration's efforts uh, to address covid, but also public health do something about it. And often, I think more often than not, the companies would respond and say, okay. Just and there are emails that, that came out during this, the course of this case that that was something that I think when it was explained to me at the time, I thought, all right, that makes sense. Like, that's probably what we should do on public Yeah, health. that's why they extended the emergency use authorization for so long, because that was their excuse for censoring speech. It was an emergency. These were odd times. That's why they didn't uh, stop the emergency use authorization until this year. All right, James Rosen is up next. Do not go anywhere. It's going to be good. What you do in your bedroom is your business. What you do to our country is ours. It's the Rob Carson Show. Behind the scenes, the Secret Service was investigating the shocking discovery of cocaine just steps from the Oval Office. How this got into the White House and who brought it in, all of those questions 
still lingering. Here's what we know. The cocaine was found in a small dime-sized bag during a routine sweep in a cubby used by White House staff and guests to store cell phones. All right, so that is Inside Edition. Uh, we had a, a minor loading problem with that. But that is Inside Edition. This is right up there, Alley. Finding cocaine in the White House. It is, uh, it is certainly an odd story. It certainly opens up a lot of questions. And here to tell us uh, about the story and what he's discovered, James Rosen of Newsmax joins us on the Newsmax Hotline. Hello, my friend. How are you? Greetings, Rob, from the White House Press Briefing Room. This has been a, uh, a, a kind of an odd week, hasn't it? Uh, I would assume this is the first time you've ever covered uh, cocaine being found in the White House. Yes. This is the first <laughs> for me and for all the other reporters. Uh, one of the reporters who's very well respected here has been here a long time, Kelly O'Donnell of NBC News. I can remember doing live shots next to Kelly O'Donnell back in the year 2000. That's how long we've both been doing this, how long we know each other. Uh, and our tents are right next to each other on what's called Pebble Beach. That's the area, even though the pebbles are long gone, of the White House driveway where all of the news outlets have their, their tents, and that's where all the TV reporters do their live shots from. Ours is right next to <clears throat> excuse me, NBC News's. And today, for the first time, something I never thought I'd hear, I heard uh, Kelly O'Donnell, uh, who has universal respect here, explaining to the audience what a dime bag is. So what a dime. <laughs> uh, we both got a laugh out of that. Uh, these are unprecedented times for sure. Now, they, yeah, this is kind of funny. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a big drug user there, James. I know that some people might say otherwise. Uh, but, but a dime bag, the, you just heard it, it, they said dime size. If it were a dime-sized bag, uh, that would be a, a tiny bag. But it had, I, I'm assuming, a dime-sized amount of cocaine in a plastic bag that they found. You're uh, now actually forcing me into the same contortions that poor Kelly faced out on the lawn. <laughs> Correct. A dime-sized bag is not what people mean when they refer to an actual dime bag. Uh, you don't have to be one of the fabulous furry freak brothers in order to know this. Yes, um, and, and you don't need to rack up. You don't need to rack up an eight ball of cocaine. I'm sorry. What? Go ahead. A, a dime bag refers to a street-level amount. It doesn't refer to the actual size of a dime. Um, I think in in past times this might have referred to the cost as say something that costs ten dollars. But in any case, we're talking about a small plastic bag with a kind of Ziploc feature to it uh, that is clear and, um, and, and in which one would carry uh, what is, in this case, we must remember, a Schedule II drug under the Controlled Substances Act. Now, uh, you know the White House certainly better than I do. I've only been one time, and I didn't get anywhere, uh, you know, any, any place uh, that, you know, most people would not see. Uh, do you know the area, and do you, when you talk about the procedure to get in the White House, do you suppose that would be kind of difficult to sneak something like that in? So there are different procedures for different categories of folks to enter the White House. The news media are generally herded through the Northwest Gate, which is, I don't know, about a football field and a half um, east of 17th in Pennsylvania. Um, uh, the, the area of the West Wing in which the cocaine was discovered by the Uniform Division of the Secret Service is a different entrance. It's a lobby with an awning that is located right off West Executive Avenue, which is the street close to traffic. Uh, that separates the White House itself from the Eisenhower Executive Office building. It is described as a heavily trafficked area, but um, in, in, you know when you compare it to, let's say, a subway station, it wouldn't be considered heavy traffic. Um, and it's um, it's where um, staff use it, um, and sometimes they bring in members of the public for sort of private tours. 
uh, that go through there. Um, certainly it would be covered by surveillance cameras. But the latest word we're getting from uh, sources on this is that the U.S. Secret Service, which is running the lead on this investigation, and the FBI, which has been brought into the investigation, are both growing increasingly pessimistic that they're ever going to identify the culprit who brought this uh, Schedule II drug um, <laughs> into the West Wing. Um, as one source put it to me, if it were as simple as fingerprinting the bag and matching uh, an ID, it would have happened by now. As for the surveillance cameras, uh, it was explained to me that um, even in this kind of setting, which is so heavily surveilled, a, a surveillance camera might not catch everything. If someone had a dime bag of cocaine in their palm um, and dropped it, that might not readily be um, <clears throat> caught by the cameras. It was the, the analogy given to me was that you can take the most heavily surveilled sites in the country, uh, one of which would be Chicago, um, and where, uh, despite the presence of so many surveillance cameras in a concentrated area, you still will see that uh, perpetrators of shootings won't always be captured in the act on video. This is obviously a smaller and more controlled environment, but nonetheless, um, it, as it was put to me, to reverse engineer was the, word, the, the very term that was used. To reverse engineer a bag of cocaine is, is not easy in any circumstance, and, it's, and the fact that the, lo the location here is the White House is not making it necessarily that easier, that much easier. Uh, by next week, uh, if the situation persists, I think you'll see the law enforcement authorities um, alerting the public that they don't expect to find a culprit. Of course. Uh, you know, because they're probably the same person who did the January the 6th pipe bombings and leaked the Dobb decision. I'm sure it's the same person, you know, because they can't be caught. Um, you're a journalist, and, and I respect you as a journalist. You you remind me of some great journalists that I've spoken to. You're, very, you're a straight arrow when it comes to journalism. I cannot shake you. I have tried many times. I am that annoying tourist outside of, of uh, the Ken's, uh, Buckingham Palace, and you're the guard with the, uh, the beef eater. Uh, but I'm going to ask you... So if, if <laughs> considering Hunter Biden's uh, history, considering the fact that Hunter Biden is about to uh, maybe accept a plea deal where one of the charges that he has was he was using cocaine when he purchased a, a federal firearm and he lied on the federal firearms purchase form. This on the heels of copious amounts of video footage showing that Hunter Biden thoroughly enjoyed cocaine uh, and he'd also got him kicked out of the military. You as a journalist, when you hear on, you know, the day after the long weekend, Hunter Biden's in the White House on Friday, would it be out of the question for a journalist of such repute as you to say, hey, maybe the coke got in there. Oh, no, because maybe Hunter Biden had it. Do you suppose that would be a worthy story? Well, first of all, thanks for your kind words. The proceedings <laughs> thus far have been rather pressing, and I would die for a beef eater right about now. But um, I would say that uh, obviously uh, there are many who are drawing uh, that particular connection or connecting those dots. Uh, the White House gave its first press briefing since this story broke uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, and the, sub and the sum and substance of what Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, was dispatched to the briefing room to say about it uh, amounted to the fact that it was under active uh, Secret Service investigation, that she didn't want to get out in front of that, um, that the president is incredibly concerned about getting to the bottom of it. Uh, and um, <clears throat> one other point that she made, which was that the president and his family and his and the first lady, quote, and their family, unquote, were all out of town when all of this went down. 
So I suppose that that is meant to address the kind of dot connecting that, that you're talking about. Yeah, you certainly want to have, wouldn't want to connect dots. You know, it'd be kind of like, uh, I don't know, somebody murdering their, or, or a spouse, a woman may be being murdered, and the police, generally, what do they go for? Do they go, oh, I don't know, maybe somebody who might have came to their house in the last year, or I don't know, the person closest to uh, the individual. That's generally where it goes. You would generally, I would assume, uh, uh, look to that person as a possible suspect and also uh, to be the first person eliminated from the investigation. Uh, that said, um, do you suppose that as a condition of this plea deal that a drug test would be in order? And don't you suppose that if the White House were so uh, interested in dispelling this awful uh, idea that Hunter Biden might still be on cocaine, that they might voluntarily submit to a, a drug test by Hunter Biden just to clear things up and also to get the plea deal? <laughs> well, no, I don't envision the White House volunteering to do that. No, yes. no. Uh, it is, we can simply say that uh, it is common among pretrial diversion programs for drug testing, completion of a, of a drug program yeah. uh, to be required. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to learn more about the Hunter Biden plea deal, uh, which involves a pretrial diversion on the weapons charge, as you noted, um, in the weeks to come. Yeah, I uh, I got to tell you, we live in strange times, James Rosen, uh, and and I do consider to be very fortunate to be uh, alive and uh, a broadcaster in said times because uh, we're, we're unveiling all sorts of things. We also know that a federal judge has issued an injunction told the government they cannot have uh, contact with social media organizations because of uh, allegations of massive censorship of particularly conservative speech. Um, what are you hearing about? Uh, about that um, with other media figures uh, in the White House with, uh, with, with this injunction. So, yeah, you're referring to a court order that was signed by Judge Terry A. Dowdy. Yes. He is the chief judge, of, uh, chief district judge for the Western District of Louisiana, a Trump appointee rated uh, well qualified by the ABA at the time of his nomination five years ago. Uh, and he is presiding over a lawsuit brought by the Republican Attorneys General of Louisiana and Missouri. Um, who have alleged that President Biden, his aides, various federal agencies have colluded with big tech to censor or repress conservative points of view on social media. So as part of that lawsuit, uh, Judge Dowdy issued uh, an order on the 4th of July that was extraordinarily sweeping, uh, perhaps a first in the annals of U.S. telecom law, and one that, that may carry far-reaching impacts for the exercise of the First Amendment, uh, in which he essentially banned at least nine federal agencies, from the FBI and the Census Bureau to the Departments of Justice, State and Homeland Security, among others, uh, and at almost three dozen named individuals from the Secretaries of Health and Human Services, uh, to Homeland Security, uh, Karine Jean-Pierre herself, uh, the White House Counsel, Stuart Dellery, and many others, uh, from uh, contacting, communicating with, or otherwise pressuring or trying to induce social media firms to, um, to repress or otherwise diminish the content that is protected by the First Amendment uh, on their platforms. Uh, and so the White House has said that uh, the Department of Justice is reviewing uh, this, this ruling, this order, um, and with, with an eye toward uh, developing options, either how to comply with it or how to challenge it. Yeah. 
Well, I um, I got to tell you, I'm very disappointed in the Institute of Journalism uh, because I do believe these allegations are true. You don't have to have a, an opinion on it, um, but I do believe it's true because I witnessed the censorship myself on everything, on everything. And when you hear the litany of things the judge mentions, everything from COVID vaccine injuries to CRT to whatever, uh, it's very clear that there was a portal open between federal agencies and social media. Uh, and it was very, very close to what Joseph Stalin did uh, with the establishment of the uh, disinformatia, the Department of Disinformation, I think they took from the playbook. So I'll be interested to see what happens. I'm just terribly disappointed. Um, what do you think about the future of journalism um, and, and young people getting into journalism right now? Uh, we've seen that a lot of the mainstream media, uh, they, they tend to be, seem to be ideologically aligned uh, with all of the uh, myriad ways to reach people on the web. Do you think this is a good time for the Institute of Journalism in the United States, James? It's difficult to say. In one sense, we have more people practicing journalism than ever before. Um, and uh, perhaps this goes back to the Zapruder film, where you had a um, an ordinary dress manufacturer take the only known recording of the assassination of a president. Uh, that was um, a function of the democratization of of these tools, uh, whereby even uh, an ordinary citizen in Dallas that day had a movie camera. Um, I'm reminded of the, the testimony of Gordon Strawn, who was one of the uh, Watergate figures at the Senate Watergate hearings 50 years ago. He is still with us. And when he was asked at the end of his testimony what advice he would give to young people considering a career in politics, he said famously, stay away. I'm not sure yeah. that I'd give that advice to aspiring yeah. journalists. We're yes. always, despite the fact that uh, we're seeing a lot of layoffs in, in uh, various media outlets, uh, and that the whole nature of, of the enterprise of journalism is changing rapidly in ways that might even be beyond our ken to, to conceive, uh, we're always going to need people to make sense of all this raw data that's washing over us. Uh, and so I would simply say to those who might be considering entering the field to do it for the right reasons. It's not to help people. If you want to do that, you become a social worker. It's not to help children. If you want to do that, you become a child's advocate. It's not to speak truth to power. If you want to do that, you should write a column, not be a reporter. And, and it's not to be a voice for the voiceless. If you want to do that, you should run for Congress. The only nice. real reason that good reporters become reporters is for a very simple reason, because they enjoy adducing new facts to the record of our times. That's wow. the only reason a good reporter becomes a reporter. You talked about the strange times we live in. We're talking about cocaine at the White House. The Republican frontrunner has been twice criminally indicted, and it only seems to have enhanced his, his standing in the polls. Uh, Tom Wolfe, the great reporter who became one of our great novelists, um, probably would have thought that he was overdoing it if he ever used any of these storylines as plot lines in his novels. But the greatest compliment ever paid to a reporter, I think, was paid to Tom Wolfe. On the back cover of one of his books, one of the critics said, and I quote, no one, no reporter has gotten more of his times down onto paper than Tom Wolfe. That's the real reason we go into it. And that, wow. that is still a valid reason, despite the changes, economic and technological, that are occurring in the field today. Wow, that is... Uh... That is epic, my friend. I greatly appreciate it. And I can't wait for when the UFO space aliens are finally discovered and, and things are out of the open and you, and you cover it. Because nobody will cover it better than you do. James Rosen. James, you got this book. It's called Scalia Rise to Greatness. Uh, where can people find it? And also, where can people find you on social media? You can find me on Newsmax every day covering the White House. Or you can go to my Twitter feed, at James Rosen TV. 
And the Scalia book, which just came out uh, and is getting rave reviews, you can find it at Amazon and everywhere else that you find books. All right. My friend, have a glorious week. Thanks for checking in, and we'll talk again soon. This is The Rob Carson Show. Say it loud and proud. Let's go, Brandon. It's The Rob Carson Show. It is. Thanks to uh, James Rosen for being on the show today. Man, he just, uh, uh, he's awesome. He is awesome. Oh, it is kind of interesting, and I, and I mentioned this the other day. Uh, resumes, including they and them pronouns, are more likely to be overlooked in the job hiring process. It's because they're all transphobic. No, actually, no. It's because potential employers look at this person and go, wow, this is a lawsuit waiting to happen. Yeah, a recent report found job applicants who put he or they, them pronouns on the resume overlooked in the job uh, process. Uh, the report published in uh, March claimed 80% of non-binary people believe that identifying as non-binary hurts their job search, and more than half believe their gender identity has affected their workplace experience negatively. It's not because uh, people are transphobic or non-binary phobic. It's because they think you're going to be a giant pain in the ass. That's what it's all about. And I'm going to tell you, I look back at my alma mater, Northwest Missouri State, of which I am not affiliated anymore. At the broadcast uh, facility, they have professors who have they, them pronouns on their profiles as broadcasting free speech instructors. And that's when I said, yeah, you know, I'm going to leave that university in my past. I think I'm just going to leave that in the past. One 57-year-old prospective employer said they're not interested in the drama that a person who thinks they are a they-them brings. Another employer said, take the pronouns. I would trash the resume for that reason alone. Another hiring manager in the hotel and food industry uh, said he would recommend applicants take the they-them pronouns off of their resume. Resumes. I find that personal pronouns are quite silly in a job situation. That is, uh, this is better reserved for social settings, not in the job setting. Because when you use they, them pronouns, it shows A, you're mentally ill, B, you're a panderer, and C, you're a sheep who falls for idiotic crap like this. I just added that. The pronouns are off-putting and unnecessary. Get rid of the per pronoun nonsense. You're either a he or a she, another prospective manager said. This person, only 36 years old, and works for a college. According to the report, 64% of companies that received those resume, these resumes uh, were ma ma mainly liberal locations, something that made the resumes uh, what they say think is worrisome. So even uh, liberal institutions see this nonsense, this they, them, as somebody who is the, uh, uh, a pain in the rear end and a potential, um, them being potential uh, targets for lawsuits, for so any sort of said ism or obia or, you know, whatever. Let's take a break and come back and wrap this show up, shall we? This is the Rob Carson Show. Back in a few. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the show. Make sure to check out the podcast, Lydia Carinage and James Rosen today on the show, and uh, a, a terrific take on freedom of speech and how important it is. Share it with others, newsmax.com slash listen. God bless you. See you tomorrow on Friday, and in the meantime, don't catch the stupid. <laughs>